Good evening. It is Aliska van Tvoort for Africa Christian Action and on Salt and Light for Radio Tigerberg. And tonight we are in the studio with me is Dr. Hammond and we are dealing with Sanctity of Life Under Attack. Dr. Hammond, the UN is propagating abortions as a healthcare human right. What would you say about that? Well, for Newspeak Double Think, that's... Uh excellent example because in George Orwell's book 1984 he spoke about a time in the future when you'd have a new language called Newspeak where there would be double think where you'd have contradictory concepts and the ministry of truth many truth would deal with lies and propaganda and well this is what we've got where you can see abortion is health care this makes it a human right and that was published by the Daily Maverick uh, this year authored by Teleng Mofakeng, who's described as the United Nations Commission on Human Rights Special Rapporteur for Physical and, Me and Mental Health. I mean, what a long-winded title for a person's job. Basically, propagandist mm. uh, for, for abortion. So the Daily Maverick identifies this uh, article as first published in Section 27's Abortion in Eastern and Southern Africa publication. Well, what we've got here is an inverting of reality, because how is killing of babies healthcare? And how is taking away the right to life of a preborn baby a human right? So uh, this is really distortion, it's deception, and uh, it's actually quite scandalous that the United Nations can be advancing this, and it's also disgusting that some media is just accepting at face value and just reporting this abortion is a healthcare human right. No, it's not. No, surely not. That is shocking. And Dr. Hammond, almost every country in Africa recognized abortion as the taking of an innocent life. Most Africans believe that every abortion stops a beating heart. What are pro-choices doing to try to convince Africans and Cape Townians that abortion is quote-unquote good? Oh, uh, you've got an excellent example in this uh, deceptive article, Abortion is Healthcare, This Makes It a Human Right by Mufa King. Mufa King uses some lovely terms. She speaks about Dignity, bodily mm. integrity, equality, safety and security, health, reproductive justice, freedom to choose, and condemns pro-life legislation which outlaws abortion throughout almost every single country in Africa as oppression and discrimination and mm. legalized discrimination and oppression of women and singles out Malawi, Botswana, and Namibia for laws that seek to punish those who work in the abortion services. Wait a minute. Let's unpack that. Laws that seek to punish those who work in abortion services. That means laws that seek to protect babies from the injustice and violence of abortion. Uh, you know, imagine uh, having uh, something writing about uh, these countries have laws that seek to punish those who work in the uh, criminal sector or in the armed robbery and house invasion sector. This is so bizarre for condemnation of pro-life countries in Africa who are trying to actually stand for justice mm -hmm. and to protect the innocent from the violence of abortion and from injustice. To have them accused in this way, this is really newspeak doublethink. Yeah, that is exactly inverted reality. Freedom to choose is one of the most common slogans of abortionists. Yet that is inverted reality because the baby in the womb has no choice. How would you respond to slow? How should we respond to slogans like that? Well, 
pro-choice? That's a lie. Babies don't choose to die. Yes. And what about equal rights for unborn women? And a real feminist would be campaigning for the right to life of pre-born babies from the injustice of abortion. Because right. do you know that worldwide, vastly more girls are aborted than boys? particularly in Asia, particularly in China and in India, where they do amniocentesis tests to test and to discover the sex of the baby before birth. And on that basis, they choose to abort. China's one-child policy led to a massive uh, imbalance where they've got hundreds of millions more males than females because literally when a family had only one child allowed, they many times chose to abort the, the female baby or to kill them at birth and to, to declare it was a stillbirth, drowning them in buckets. So India and China have a massive, massive imbalance as a result. So if one was a real feminist or real concerned for uh, equal rights for, for women, then one should be campaigning against abortion with even more vigor because they're the main victims of it. But uh, when these people say we have the right to choose what to do with our own body, Interesting, they don't believe that when it comes to wearing masks, you no. don't have a right uh, uh, <laughs> to decide whether you want to wear a mask or not for your own body. And yeah. they also don't believe in a right to choose what to do with their own body when it comes to medical professionals because they don't want to allow doctors, nurses, or pharmacists or health professionals of any sort to have a right to choose whether they want to participate in abortion or not. They want to criminalise conscientious objectors. Yeah, yeah, that is shocking. And um, in that, we can see that abortion is a threat to the family, right? Yes, the family is the basic building block of society. It's the future. And it's the first government any child experiences is uh, their family government and uh, the first relationships. This is the first school. This is the first church. This is the first government. This is the first everything. The family is absolutely critical. And as goes the family, so goes the nation. And so if you want to know why our world is in such a mess right now, look no further than broken homes, broken families, absentee fathers. All of these have led to a tremendous breakdown of the family and society and law and order as well. So, yes, this is a war against the family because the United Nations is also promoting gender confusion. Mm. They're promoting sterilization. They're promoting the whole gay agenda. They're promoting a whole range of things that would undermine the integrity of the family, including killing the next generation through abortion mm. or preventing them through sterilization and all these other uh, population control eugenics programs. Mm. But right now you can see this idea here where they actually want to criminalize a pro-life doctor or nurse and they want conscientious objectors to actually be prosecuted. And then they even... Uh, are trying to push the father out of the equation no. because they don't even want families. And what they'd prefer is that single mothers depend on the state for mm. their support instead of having relationships of love where you've got a husband and wife bring up a child in a secure environment. They'd prefer mm. to have daycare centres, uh, mothers, single mothers on welfare, mm. and uh, the state becomes the big daddy. This is mm. extremely disturbing. And it reminds one of the dystopian pictures of the future warned of by Aldous Huxley in Brave New World and mm -hmm. George Verver, uh, George um, Orwell in uh, books like 1984. We've got this dystopian future. We've got a totalitarian government manipulating language, manipulating people, controlling how people think. In Brave New World, written in 1930s, they're saying 
we're heading towards a technologically advanced world mm. where people are subdued and distracted by endless sti stimulation and subdued mm. by drugs until mm. they become just compliant. And, and even the next generation are manipulated through genetic modifications. So you have genetically modified humans, like wow. you have genetically modified foods and, and mm -hmm. seeds, which has produced health problems of all sorts. Mm -hmm. But right now, we're at that point where people are talking about you need to have mandatory vaccines, and these mandatory vaccines all include aborted babies, fetal matter. So mm -hmm. vaccines are, are used on babies. There's the DNA of aborted babies in every vaccine that's being produced mm -hmm. right now. And now they're talking about a mandatory vaccine for their parents, a pandemic that they're talking about. And then with this, there's not only where you get vaccinated and you get genetically modified, because this is actually changing characters to many extents wow. and health, but they're talking about harvesting the DNA at the same time with, with the same vaccination and planting a nanochip, a microchip, a very small uh, chip in a person so that they can track you anywhere mm -hmm. in the world. And the Bill Gates Foundation, for example, spent billions researching and developing nanotechnology just this very purpose. This is extremely disturbing that when they're talking about mandatory vaccinations, this means you can get genetically modified, you can have some foreign microchip plant in your body that enables Big Daddy, the state or World Health Organization mm. to track you, and uh, they've harvested your DNA for track record, and uh, who knows what they can do with all these things. So mm. this is so disturbing Mm. This is beyond even what George Orwell was warning about in 1984 or what Aldous Huxley was warning about in Brave New World. It's disgusting. It's basically turning people into robots for the government. Um, so a fetus is just a blob of tissue is one of the many arguments that pro-choices use. When we look at Psalm 139 verse 13, it reads, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Clearly, a fetus has a beating heart. And um, how can we explain that to humanists who don't believe in the sanctity of life? Well, they don't have to be a Christian or read the Bible to recognize the fact that the absence of a heartbeat is a sign of death. And the absence of a brainwave is confirmation of death. And yet we know that at only 21 days after conception, a baby's heart begins beating and you can track it. And so at three weeks, they can track the heartbeat uh, on, on these machines. And not only that, but at six weeks, barely mm -hmm. 42 days later, the brainwave can be measured. Now, if the absence of a heartbeat and the absence of a brainwave is a confirmation of death, surely the presence of a heartbeat and the presence of a brainwave is a confirmation of life. But more than that, it's just biology 101, that at conception, the baby's DNA is set the eye color, the hair color, the height uh, that the uh, child may reach in, in later life, a whole lot of uh, things are set. And uh, it's just extraordinary that with all that we know now about DNA, mm -hmm. and DNA is like the book of life. It's mm -hmm. it's a vast amount of information. It's, it's bigger than any computers, uh, more information than you'll get in encyclopedias. And mm -hmm. uh, it's it's not only in your body at, at the point of conception, uh, it's, it's right in a DNA code. But remember, the DNA code replicates. Mm. And it's, it also 
heals and mm. and resolves damage and so there's an amazing amount of versatility mm. in, in DNA. You look at that, how can you doubt that that is not a blob of tissue, that no. is a human being and all that's needed from three weeks after conception when the brain, uh, when the heartbeat starting to uh, uh, to be measured, all you need is uh, nurture and sufficient oxygen and mm. the baby will continue to grow. So uh, it's not like birth is a magical act that turns a non-human into a human. It's not like a blob of tissue suddenly becomes a human being. Yeah. And now with the phenomenal uh, technology available and uh, some of the photography in the womb that you've seen, you look and you see, that's a perfectly formed baby. And it's, it's, it's only so many weeks old. And yet, it, you know, you can see the fingers, the eyes, the nose, and the ears, and, and there's the heart going and the lungs. It's, it's all being developed. So I, I don't know how even an agnostic or atheist person looking at the technology can deny the fact that life begins at conception. That's a biological fact. That's not just a scriptural teaching. Yeah, exactly. Even when you look at a baby dolphin in the womb or a baby leopard, you can see clearly that is a living creature. So a lot of pro-choices use arguments like, I don't have finances to support myself, or some are pregnant because of rape, and some just say, I have to have an abortion, there's just no other way. How should we respond to that? Look, there needs to be compassion. Compassion is always an option, but compassion not only for the mother going through a crisis pregnancy, but compassion for the baby too. Mm. It can be very scary to financial difficulties, but there's a lot of possible solutions. There are mm. social service agencies, there are crisis pregnancy centres, there are unread mothers' homes, there are churches and families and support groups and people who are willing to help. There's people willing to foster, the people willing to adopt. In fact, there's vast numbers of people waiting. I know people who've got fertility issues who want to adopt and who are waiting mm -hmm. for years mm. to adopt a child. So it seems awfully cruel to throw away a life that others are praying for yes. and are even willing to pay the medical bills for the mm. uh, mother going through through a delivery and then yeah. adopting the child. So uh, there are solutions. There are churches that are stepping up and offering help. Uh, so there are loving homes that are waiting to adopt. And therefore, it doesn't have to be that I can't afford, if, if you're in a family or in a church or mm -hmm. in a community, there should be help. And if you, mm -hmm. even if you're not, you can still reach out. I know there's groups like SA Cares for Life and others who help people who have no support structure and mm -hmm. help them whether they want to keep the baby or whether they want to have the baby uh, born and then give them up for adoption. So um, both ways, that there definitely are solutions. We shouldn't write off uh, a life. Because Surely. we are facing crises. When there's a problem, let's seek solutions and counsel. And often in a crisis, we can't see the way through it. And we need an outside person to help and come alongside. So mm -hmm. that's why there are crisis pregnancy centers, to just help people to, to focus and to actually give practical help. Yes, it's wonderful. Um, what are some of the examples of confrontations you've had with abortionists? Oh my, I've sometimes had the opportunity to confront abortionists outside abortion clinics, outside the home of the abortionist, uh, in universities, in debates, and uh, some of the confrontations have been quite disturbing. Uh, I remember just a short distance from where we are now at a church where they were promoting abortion. Uh, this is quite a shock at the time because abortion wasn't legal in the country at the time. 
And there was Dr. Marge Dyer of the Abortion Rights Action Group promoting in a church hall. Uh, oh. The uh, amazing church could have let the Abortion Rights Action Group use their church hall. And one woman stood up and said, 21 years ago, I wanted to have an abortion, but it wasn't legal in South Africa. And I struggled to find a way to do it, and I failed. And here's my daughter with me. Now, you think you know where she's going to go? Yeah. And the woman says, you know, she's now 21. There's not a day that goes by that I don't regret that I didn't have a chance to have an abortion. Wow. And her daughter's sitting next to her nodding her head. That's shocking. I just thought, oh, this is, it's like she's wishing away the life of her daughter. And the daughter seemed to be agreeing, which is bizarre. And uh, you had Bill and Hillary Clinton's daughter making a statement, at a, and I remember she's an only child, making a statement at uh, the Planned Parenthood events in, in America that she regrets that her grandparents didn't have access to Planned Parenthood. Now, if no her grandparents way. didn't have access to Planned Parenthood, that means that her parents wouldn't exist, <laughs> which means she wouldn't, which means she's actually wishing her life away, which is bizarre. I was having a debate at Stellenbosch University with Dr. Marge Dyer, and while debating with her, I gave an example I thought, thought was quite a powerful story, and that's back in 1959, when my mother was pregnant with me, I was born January 1960, mm -hmm. she was taking thalidomide. Now, thalidomide tablets were to counteract morning sickness, mm -hmm. and in fact, it did so very effectively. Mm -hmm. uh, but like many pharm pharmaceuticals, there was a side effect. The side effect was the babies were born horribly deformed, no arms, no legs, oh. and so on. And so this panic was sweeping the world, and... Uh, they were actually even allowing abortions of parents who, were, who had taken thalidomide tablets, uh, and even in South Africa where abortion was completely illegal at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mother didn't consider it for a second. And even yeah. though the doctor in the hospital very close to here was telling her, you need to have an abortion because uh, you can try again, but thalidomide, I mean, this is, this is poison. These children are all being born horribly deformed. It wouldn't be right. And there was sure. pressure put on her. And so my mother called for a chaplain, even though she wasn't a practicing Christian, yeah. and had him pray, and then she went ahead uh, in a faith and fear and trepidation. And as you can see, I've got my arms and legs. And yeah, even though there's <laughs> tens of thousands of poor children who are born without from yeah. thalidomide. Well, as I mentioned this, the biggest smile came over Marge Dyer, Dr. Marge Dyer, Dr. Death, we used to call her, yeah. over her face. And she said loud enough for everyone at Autorum to hear, what a pity she didn't. Yeah. And that's yeah. the mentality. They say they're pro-choice, but are they? They're full of In many cases, they seem to be pro-abortion. The worst I've ever come across, and I've come across this twice, once in Frankfurt at Kirschentag in 1987, and uh, more recently uh, closer to home. But there was, in Kirschentag 1987, a pro-abortionist had a big banner, big banner, which said in German and translated, it said, if only Mary had had an abortion, we wouldn't have these problems today. No way. Dead serious. And I've seen this in English at another pro-abortion. If only Mary, the mother of Jesus, had had an abortion. The mentality. So here you can see that now, I'm not saying every pro-abortionist is like this, but mm -hmm. there's an element to the pro-abortionist that's not just uh, pro-abortion, but anti-Christ. Mm -hmm. And again, when they talk about choice, I've heard some of them saying, we need to implement 
the uh, Chinese one-child policy. Now, these are people who call themselves pro-choice, and they're advocating in public meetings, we need China's no-choice policy. Now, how is this pro-choice? That you are only allowed to have one child, and any child after, after one, we will forcibly abort, and we will forcibly sterilize, and if you hide away and the baby's born, the state will come and kill them after birth. That, that was China's one-child policy. And I've heard professors of theological seminaries advocating, we, like Professor Ronald Sider, yeah. author of Rich Christians, Age Younger, we need to, uh, to follow the Chinese one-child policy. And he said that at a joint gathering of Bible cultures in Cape Town, meeting in the African, Meth uh, the African Methodist Episcopal Church, AME, in Athlone. And it was a all Bible cultures from around Cape Town were gathered in there, and Professor Ronald Sanders said, in my hearing, we need to follow China's one-child policy. But that's a, a no-choice policy. Mm. And this is a pro-choice position. So the contradictions, it's shocking. When you get to interact with, with abortionists uh, and discover these sort of things, you realize the situation is actually far more ugly than it first seems. Mm. Yeah, that is shocking. And so what are some good resources that we can go to um, as pro-lifers? Well, um, I would say if, if any of our listeners have not yet seen the film Unplanned, mm -hmm. well worth seeing. Because in that film based on the true story of Abby Johnson and the book's available, Unplanned, which is excellent, of course. But the film is absolutely brilliant because you will get to grasp in that one dramatic film... Mm -hmm every aspect of abortion from yeah. the perspective of people who are in a crisis pregnancy or for the people working in the abortion facility, mm. the people promoting it, the pro-lifers outside campaigning. It, it's such a comprehensive picture of what's involved so that you'll have a better understanding not only of the facts but of the impacts on people's lives. Yeah. So Unplanned is an excellent film to see and to show and uh, I would say anyone in high school should see it. Uh, it's, uh, <clears throat> in fact, my wife said she would uh, force any of her children um, mm -hmm. over the age of 12 to see it uh, because uh, if we had children still that young, uh, because it's just so uh, important. So that's one resource. If you go onto the christianaction.org.za website, you'll find links to a whole lot of pro-life videos and audios that we've done, documentaries, including on the life chains and the march for life. And there's some tracks that we've produced, abortion effects, considering abortion, mm -hmm. and uh, a whole lot of milestones of, of uh, life. Um, mm -hmm. We've got a, a range of materials like the Make a Difference Christian Action Handbook for Southern Africa, which deals with all different issues, and particularly uh, there's a massive chapter just dealing with, with the right to life and, and how to respond to abortion or euthanasia, which is another threat to mm -hmm. life, of course. So we stand for the sanctity of life, from conception to natural death. Mm -hmm. And so to be pro-life not only means you're against abortion, it means you would be against euthanasia as well, yes. which is the killing of the elderly or the sick and the infirmed. So uh, those are some great resources we'd recommend. There's some excellent videos um, mm -hmm. that, that we can highly recommend. So if you contact Africa Christian Action, info at christianaction.org.za, or Christian Liberty Books, which has a wide range of great books like pro-life answers to pro-choice questions and things like that. Um, but uh, from a dramatic point of view, unplanned. Another film, which is harder to watch, mm -hmm. but it's still well-made, is Gosnell. Mm 
Mm. Gosnell is again based on a true story. It's of the of America's biggest serial killer. It was a third trimester abortionist, Hermit Gosnell, who is one of I think only three in all of America who did third trimester abortions. That means over six months pregnant. Uh, and in fact, he wasn't that good a doctor. So he let the babies be born alive, and then he killed them, uh, which was technically illegal, uh, mm. even in places like New York. And so uh, even though there was not much difference between killing them in the womb a few minutes before birth or killing them a few minutes after, mm. but still what he did was against the law, and he got prosecuted and thrown away in, in jail mm. for life and all that because it, it, there was just no question he had, he had mm. killed a lot of babies mm. uh, and after birth. And, mm. of course, he broke just about every other rule too. Um, but still, um, from hygiene onwards, and there was a lot of dishonesty, and uh, he had untrained staff, and, and, and a patient died on an operating table, meaning the mother, and there was all sorts of things which was covered up. And, uh, so the Gosnell film, which is a true story, given from the perspective of the prosecutor and mm. the, the uh, um, uh, investigator, so uh, that's also worth seeing. That's a, that's a bit harder, even though they're very uh, careful how they depict things, but still, um, I would say that's more like... A, uh, later high school on um, I wouldn't show that to to a young person mm. uh, but still uh, Gosnell is also very useful to get an understanding of, of what we're dealing with in abortion so those mm. are some of the resources contact christianaction.org.za or visit the website www.christianaction.org.za wonderful thank you um, what can we as Cape Tonians practically do to stand up against the mass murder being committed daily under our noses? Well, we can actually do quite a lot because uh, in Cape Town, always at the end of every January, we have a Sanctity Life Sunday. So the last uh, Sunday in January is always Sanctity Life Sunday when we encourage pastors to focus on what the Bible teaches on the right to life and when life begins and our responsibility to our pre-born neighbours uh, to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, to rescue those being led away to death, uh, to hold back those staggering towards slaughter, uh, to uh, love our neighbour, to be a positive practical influence. So we've got pro-life sermons, pro-life Bible study uh, materials, good resources that uh, you can use, and we can send a pro-life pack to any pastor who wants to educate his congregation. Mm -hmm. So Sanctity Life Sunday, that's the end of uh, this uh, month, so we're talking about the 30, Sunday, the 31st of January. And then there's the March for Life, mm -hmm. National Day of Repentance, on the 1st of February. So Monday, the 31st of February, 2021, is the March to Parliament to stand for the rights of life. In the scripture, we read that when innocent life is taken and the uh, murderer cannot be brought to justice for whatever reason, then the elders of the city should gather at the gates of the city and, and uh, declare that we had nothing to do with this, that we, uh, we are not responsible for this, the guilt of this innocent blood or the blood of that uh, innocent will fall on the whole city. Mm. And so uh, following this, this biblical principle, we believe it's important on the anniversary of when the legalization of abortion was signed in this country. So the 1st of February 1997, Nelson Mandela signed the Termination of Pregnancy Bill, made a Termination of Pregnancy Act. And since the 1st of February, 1997, and that now we, we're talking about 23 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, 24 years ago uh, now, 
there have been 1.7 million babies killed officially, legally, mostly with taxpayers' money in South Africa. In South Africa. More than 1.7 million. And that's, that's just a conservative estimate mm -hmm. because uh, we, we know there's more, but this is according to the, the declared official stats. So this is terrible. This is, mm -hmm. this is worse than all the wars we've ever fought and combined. And uh, uh, th this, this kind of lost life. Uh, the Bible says that when innocent blood is shed, a curse comes upon the land. And mm. no, no atonement can take away the guilt except the blood that when one is shed. In other words, capital punishment. Uh, because if you show contempt for the rights of life of others, you forfeit your own rights of life. It's like a gangrenous limb. And so mm. this is a very serious thing. So we gather outside Parliament. We march to Parliament. We, we start close to the castle. We march um, uh, down... Adley Street, we go to Parliament, the gates of Parliament and Rowland Street, and we gather there and we pray. And it's, it's, a, it's a time of repentance. Uh, we lay crosses, flowers, little coffins at the gates of Parliament. We make a protest. So it's a protest. Mm -hmm. It's a prayer vigil. Mm -hmm. It's a repentance service. And it's also an outreach. We just read literature. So if people would like to join us, we always gather at about 12.30. We march. Uh, we arrive at Parliament about 1 o'clock uh, on, on the Monday the 1st. Uh, of February. So you can either join us for the march, or if you can't make the march, you can come and meet us right at the gates of Parliament in Rowland Street, where the statue of, of General Louis Boitza is by the main gates to Parliament, and join us for the prayer vigil and, and placard protest. We've got placards, we've got posters, banners, literature will be distributed. So whatever you can do to help promote the March for Life and National Day of Repentance, uh, or to participate in it, or to promote Sanctity Life Sunday, will be greatly appreciated. You'll find more details on our Africa Christian Action Facebook page. We have the event. You can share it. You can join it. And, of course, go on to the christianaction.org.za website. Thank you. That was Dr. Hammond on the sanctity of life under attack.